I don't know why I love that, hearing that sound. It doesn't come on the recording, though, that thing where it says recording in progress. No, it doesn't. But and it does use- remind me, and I have to click. It's got it so that but, I can either choose to, to do leave that. Or- yeah, they didn't used to do that in the beginning. I guess people were starting to, I guess because when it moved from, you know, just being not very well known and just individuals and stuff doing it to companies and big businesses and deals and stuff going on (laughs) um it didn't used to tell you were being recorded so you didn't have any idea and we're talking about zoom by the way if if people are saying what the hell are these two talking about (laughs) um it now when you hit record it says recording in progress um to alert people to the fact that you are recording them that's right yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was to say, and so you've got the audio sound, but then it also comes up on the screen for the participants. So you can visually see it if audio isn't your thing for any reason. Um, you can actually see and you can choose to say, yeah, got it. I understand. I'm happy to be part of it. Or you can click leave the meeting, which I like. It's nice and simple. Yeah. So people want to protect their privacy, which you should kind of think about your privacy. We have to do an issue on privacy. I have a whole bunch of geek friends um, who are like so crazy into uh, privacy, like one won't look up into the sky, that kind of crazy because of the satellites and things like that. And we're not allowed to take pictures of them. Um, So he doesn't want to be in pictures. He's not on social media. Um, So he's... He's well into um, <laughs> his, privacy to his, He's privacy, yeah. to his privacy. He's committed to his privacy and doesn't like all this sort of snooping stuff. Um, though this episode isn't about uh, privacy, just the fact that I clicked that button and I hear that now, it just me. Oh, um, although if you're on the clever side like me, I can record these conversations, <laughs> and you don't know that I'm recording them because I use Audio Hijack. Uh, not that I'm. We're sponsored by Audio Hijack um, and plugging that as a product. But if you're into podcast making, it's a great tool because uh, it captures any audio sound on your PC. So I can bring videos in and um, take clips out of different places. It's a great little piece of uh, programming. I love it. By Amoeba. And let's get them to sponsor us since I'm plugging <laughs> their I'm plugging their product. <laughs> um, so this is probably not gonna be the exact length of a, a normal episode because we're kinda doing this as an impromptu episode that just kind of sprang. We were having a meeting, talking about some other stuff. Um, I was giving you a hard time as usual. Um, and then you were giving me your thing about not having time, even though we did an episode on time and how to lick time. Not having time for extra things. That's what my, yeah, yeah. however, however, keep going. Yeah, well, I was going to say, and then it's like, oh, the only time I have is if we do it right now because someone canceled the appointment. So mm. here we are. I the hit record. gift of time. That's and what we like, the gift of time. The gift of time. And this was a gift of time for me today, actually, because Friday I had things that were meant to be in. Oh, did I? No, that's next Friday. I've got an extra Friday because I'm pretty solid. But um, a gig got canceled next Friday. So I now have another Friday. This was like going to be my only day between now and Christmas, really, that I had some open space. And I needed this space today because I've been in this that I've got some a lot of ideas that are brewing in my head. Um, and yes, I've gotten them written down and they're out, but I can't action them because I've wanted, I need, and this is a term you use a lot about 
like space. Um, but I, I needed to be in a place where I don't have any energy from another human being. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to, don't want to know you, don't want to know you, don't want to know you. Um, because one of the things I like to do, of course, is walk around and pace and talk to myself. Like I even, like Ruth's not here today. So Friday was just like, all right, this is great. There's no human in the house. I don't have to be with any clients or whatever. Um, so now um, I'll be able to do some other things with all these thoughts. Now I've been working with the thoughts and I've been writing and doing stuff with them. But the element that's missing is I didn't want to be tainted by you humans. I just mm. want to, I just want to alien time. <laughs> so I'm sort of ignoring that bit, to be fair, as in the, the you humans, because yeah, that's a whole humans. different conversation. But you're absolutely right. And I do talk about space a lot. And this is exactly what I mean. What I mean is I need some space where nobody needs anything from me. Nobody wants anything of me, where there is nobody else around that I could have possibly a fleeting conversation or bump into, I just need to be able to kind of get all of the stuff that's in my head kind of out and then I can organize it or I can process it or I can work with it. So I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. So I've been desperate for that little non-human interaction time. <laughs> Hence the alien on your t-shirt. I yeah, see peeking on my, out just down there. Exactly, the alien, because I was so happy thinking about today, thinking, yay, I don't have to be messing around with any humans if I don't want to, because it's so, <laughs> I have a lot of, that's like, oh, I want to do that, and I got this, I have a lot of things that I want to do, and I like to, um, because you have to shift your energies during the day, isn't it? So I get my two hours in the morning always anyway, uh, which is fine, but then it's, but what I don't, but then I have to turn the tap off and then get into a different mode, which is the work mode, that kind of thing. Mm. And sometimes when the tap is on, I don't really want to turn it off. And I think it's that thing. It's like, actually, I don't want to turn the tap off to be able to be around humans and do that thing. So I just want to be able to leave the tap on. It's mm. probably more, it's probably more about that than space. It's the tap and the, creativity that comes with the tap being open and I open it at five and I have to close it at seven and I sometimes hate it when I have to close it at seven to go into doing some other things and now today I got to get to leave the tap running it's open still I don't have to turn it off <laughs> so Which that's good and I'm, I'm quite impressed because obviously we had uh, our meeting actually booked in because I wanted to make sure that we were connecting about uh, something else. And so that's really interesting that you would have put that in because I've noticed I try and give myself some of this time every week. And if I have a meeting at any point in that day, whether it's morning or afternoon, it just doesn't, I, I, I can't get into the free flowing mode in quite the same way. Um, hmm. But this is why I try and, and give myself a full day uh, or even a couple of days if I can uh, every quarter to just try and keep myself balanced overall. And that's not worked so well, really, in the last 
kind of 12 months uh, because family have been at home so much. And a lot of people, I think, will identify with this where you've got children that you're still responsible for. You just get into one way of being, one groove, and then the transition comes where actually they're back at school and suddenly you have to change things because you need to take them to school and back or vice versa. Suddenly the house is full again because they're not at school and everybody needs the bandwidth uh, because now lessons are online. And so having regular space throughout, whether it's the year or the week or whatever it is that's working for you, is so, so important to me. Um, And it's really interesting, actually, to hear you qualify your different mode of of being through the day. Yeah. And it's um, because the one thing that I'm not good at is to say, like, I I'm a, a spontaneous being. So I, if I planned a day out, then it won't necessarily coincide with where I want to be creatively with the tap open. Um, so I have to find when the tap, when it's open, when it's there, when that space is going and it's free flow, then I have to look to place where I can cram it in versus saying okay on this neck this thursday in three weeks time um i'm going to turn on the tap and do all these things so yeah so it's interesting so as i'm thinking through this and it's probably um and by the way i mean we're talking about well-being and i think this kind of fits in it and we were the topic we wanted to talk about today is what is your is well i wanted to elicit from you what's your well-being practice um, and what might one look like um, in a in a messy world, as my friend Sarah would say. She's got this thing about um, uh, the whole mess of life and being able to do your yoga practice and meditation in the midst of the mess. Uh, messy luminous beings, I think she calls it. Um, and and yeah, what would that practice might look like? Um, so I'd be curious to hear your practice. And of course I'll share what my hodgepodge <laughs> practice is like, but it's that this whole um, spontaneity thing. And I know from, uh, I don't know if you've ever done the, um, it's not clarity, Lumina um, profile. And one of their, when they look at these various different categories, one of the, categories that's high in my space is spontaneity and this need to just do things off the cuff all the time um and now check this out hold on people because uh, the zoom people. yeah you can hear it <laughs> that's hilarious so from play being out and about and cool, well thank you <laughs> in and quiet oh, suddenly ah, hello people <laughs> That was the Amazon guy, and I might leave this in, and I might um, edit it out. <laughs> but hold okay. your horses for a second. Um, <laughs> so he's off to pick up his uh, his parcel. And actually, I am going to carry on talking. He can edit this out if he wants to. But have you ever noticed how you respond to somebody at the door? So whenever I was growing up, as soon as the letterbox went, 
I was, it didn't matter what I was doing. I was out of the bath or I was leaving my breakfast or I was certainly ignoring my studies, which is more like me, and rushing down to the post because getting the post is something that's so exciting or it was when I was growing up. And Clay has just proved that he's like that with Amazon and with the Amazon parcels. So, Clay, you might want to edit that bit out, (laughs) but I was just explaining uh, or, or getting people to think about how they respond to when the letterbox goes or the doorbell goes and actually that's a big insight into to where you're at so as I was growing up the letterbox would go and it didn't matter what I was doing boom I was there I was excited what's the post got for me because I used to get some fantastic letters from people um, people that I knew from all over the country and it was always nice to catch up and to hear how people were doing and then I'd get excited and I'd write back to them and I used to love letter writing you know nowadays I've actually had to train myself not to respond just because the doorbell goes or the phone rings or the letterbox goes. Yeah, I used to be a big fan of those, but that was the delivery people. So you, you kind of want to answer those, otherwise they take it away and you don't get it. Um, oh, I think that yeah. depends on where you live because we're all right here. But So yeah. now I'm curious, and I'm sure everybody that's listening is, what did you get? Oh, it's a secret. It's top oh, secret. Oh, no, yeah. no. Go on. <laughs> well, it's is my, it work-related um, or play-related? No, no, no. It's, for my, it's my Halloween costume. Oh. I did yeah. not know you did Halloween. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I, I can't reveal it to you because I am doing a Halloween special on the 28th of October. For those of you who want to participate, I'll be playing all music, Halloween-y type rock and stuff like that, all monstery, ghouly thingies. Um, and we're going to be dressed in fancy dress. Uh, for those who want to participate, but that's the twenty eighth <laughs> on Mixcloud. Um, so yes, yes, that, and that's that's. So I can't reveal it to you because fair it, enough, because it was for the surprise. But yeah. here you go. Now again, so how you responded to the delivery, and I appreciate it's a delivery so that is slightly different, but also like you were just talking about Halloween and dressing up. Um, actually, all of this is part of well-being. Yeah. It's what are the things that excite you? What are the things that you're Uh, you're not just looking forward to, but you're planning and taking steps towards. And all of that is well-being on whatever level you want to look at it. Because I must say that if it's normal mail, I don't care about normal mail. I don't even open my mail. Look. Oh, wow. (laughs) I don't open. (laughs) I don't don't care about mail. (laughs) But these days, and that's a really fair point, and I hate to say it, but these days, there's rarely anything in the mail that comes. Yeah, it's not good stuff. You know? There's nobody writes letters anymore. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. There's, you know, and I open some of it because mostly my mail happens to be things like the bank statements that I need for my company accounts and stuff like that. Well, I need to open it because I need to file it ready for the accountant at the end of the year. Mm, doesn't have the same appeal. So you're right. Now I don't rush to the door. Yeah, no. And I try I tried to get letter writing um back in play and wrote to a bunch of people, but nobody ever wrote me back apart from one person. Um so I think all right, well okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna dive in there. That's interesting. Nobody ever wrote you back apart from one person. Yeah. So wouldn't that be only one person wrote back or one well, person I said wrote nobody, back. then I remembered yeah. that one person. That oh, okay. was, so that's it was a me. Processing. Yeah. So again, in my spontaneity, I, th- I, what is it they say about us? We ready, fire, aim. So I th- 
my talking is my thinking. So as that phrase came out, then my brain sparked a thing that says, oh, yeah, there was one person. So that's why I changed to the one person. Where nice. some people are refractors, they would have stopped, had to think about it, remembered the one person, said the statement so that it was a correct statement when it came out. Um, but I just go and I auto-correct as I, as I go along. Um, Which is interesting because I do the same, but you yeah. always pick me up on it. So <clears throat> right back at you, I think, is the, uh... <laughs> is, uh, is the, is the thing. So yes. when we talk about um, the well-being game, now you're a big proponent of well-being. I, I've, I, I probably – so – what am I saying here? So you use well-being and you consider yourself, from my understanding, a well-being practitioner or a well-being coach and the like. Um, I don't really use the phrase until recently um, I've had it in, but it's not because I'm not into well-being. I think it's been because when people think when nowadays when you talk well-being, the things that you see about well-being um, seems to fall into a certain category of um, what I would say in the bigger space is sort of personal development and self-development. But well-being has its a, a, another kind of connotation these days, although well-being in the bigger sense, if I go all the way back to the Declaration of Independence of 1776, uh, well-being in that sense was about the uh, pursuit of happiness. So it's everybody's inalienable, inalienable right to the pursuit of happiness. Happiness being about having a um, you know the the conditions of being able to have the well-being. Um, and so, in that sense, I'm down with the well-being piece in terms of a as a as a label, but in terms of its association, I think these days, um, it's just not part of my gig. I think. So I think that you're right. I mean, well-being even 15 years ago, um, it had a very different connotation. I think nowadays, I think it's kind of fallen foul like personal development and self-development have. Actually, I think they have very specific meanings, except that in the modern age, they don't because people are using them without understanding what they're actually saying, um, which, of course, is like so much else as well. But we've talked a little, uh, <clears throat> sorry, a little bit about this. Um, so personal development to me really is when you are developing a skill, something that can be learned, that's personal development. Self-development is when you're introspective and you're working things out for yourself and you are changing maybe your beliefs or looking at your values, anything that's kind of really deep beneath the surface and isn't necessarily changeable uh, by learning anything new, but it's about accepting what you've got and then growing with that, which links, of course, with, with self-growth. But I think it's really hard. I mean, it's hard to distinguish, but I suppose you would say personal development, in my belief, is something that's kind of tangible, whereas self-development is less tangible. And that would be where, for example, spirituality would fit in. 
And I, I think yeah. Robbie's the same. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, from my point of view, I probably see personal development as encompassing, as, as working on the development of me as a person. And person encompasses mind, body, spirit, um, and all of that that goes into that. So, so where you can have professional development, so I'm, and that's where, for me, skills and knowledge and things like that, because I'm working on a specific thing, professional development, I'm going to learn new skills, getting degrees and that kind of thing. When I'm doing a development of my person, then that's mind, body, spirit, soul. Um, that is developing my person. So to me, that's personal development. Um, hence why for me, all of that kind of, if it's working on the person in some capacity or form, then it's personal development. Now I get this nuance that people are, you know, I guess going for the well-being bit or wellness um, and looking at this idea of the sort of quality of life. Um, and yeah, which then goes back to that, um, as I said, 1776 with the pursuit of happiness and what they really meant by happiness was the well-being, this idea of having um, access to a quality of life that allows you to be um, the person, I guess, that you want to be, really. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 it becomes semantics in the sense... Um, and I always look at what's the end intent, what's the, mm -hmm. what's the outcome, um, regardless of the word that you use, what's going to be the sort of outcome. But anyway, that said, let's focus on well-being in the sense that um, it is about the wellness of the person, the quality of life of the person, um, and some of the more intrinsic values um, that are related to um, a, the, per, the personhood um, aspect. So what do you got for us in terms of a practice? What would you... So what categories would you separate well-being at? And if at all, and then what is the practices that would go along to support that? So great question. Um and it really depends on who I'm talking to as to how I would introduce it or discuss it, because it really depends on where people already are. So if, you, if you just do a general sense, like general, here's what well-being is, kind of the categories that they would be in, and then here are practices that would support it. I get it that individually we're going to need some different things, or I might not need to work on that bit or um, that sort of thing. But if I'm a person coming into the well-being space and people kind of want to know what a thing is and then what are the sub parts of that and then um, so what's available to me um is kind of i guess i would be wanting to know if i was a, a person coming in to then be able to decide is, if this is the thing or the approach for me so i would start off very simply with a triangle um, and each of the corner of the triangle, uh, one is mental, one is emotional, one is physical. And 
that's essentially take the mind, body and spirit that you mentioned before. It's kind of like that, but not quite. Really, the spirituality or the, the soul level is kind of a, above that, as it were. But it's it's the first step in. So it allows people to understand physically what happens to them. Um, and what they're making happen. So when I talk physically, I'm talking very much about either what we're ingesting, so what we're eating and how that fuels us. And I'm also talking about exercise and our bodies and how our bodies work kind of, if you like, in the space outside. So I'm talking about nutrition. I'm talking about what's going on inside of the body. And then I'm also talking about how the body interacts with the world and how you can make the body healthier from both of those aspects. Uh, when we talk about the emotions, that's very much about helping people understand how they're reacting to things, why they're reacting to things in the way that they do, uh, what makes them feel happy, what makes them feel sad, and of course, a whole range of, of nuances in between. Um, and then when we talk about mental, that's really the very, very, to put it very simply, it's the clarity of thinking. So it's not about, I feel this way about something that would fit into the emotion, but it's about two plus two equals four. Or actually, if I'm going to make a cup of tea, I'm going to need to put water in the kettle, put it on to boil, tea bag in the cup, milk out the fridge if you, you have milk. So the mental side has kind of nothing associated with it. The feelings is probably where most people don't really understand themselves. Um, certainly the people that, that I work with, should we say. Um, but they're not ready to get to there. But understanding the physical body, even at a, if you like, at a, a very at kind of an entry level or a starting level, once you start to understand your body and how what you're doing has an impact, then that can change your well-being so very quickly. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the the basic triangle, and then moving on from that, that's then we would, you know, you, you can talk about any of those things in relationship to, for example, relationships or money. Uh, you can talk about all of those things with relationships to food. I know I've just mentioned nutrition as physical, physiological is what it actually is, but it actually relates to all of those corners. Um, and then if you take it a step higher you can actually then talk about things from a, a spiritual point of view or a soul point of view. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say, I just said, right. I was acknowledging. Cool. Okay. Because <laughs> I was seeing that the governments that what they're defining well-being, so their categories that they have is physical well-being, economic well-being, which is saying social well-being. Um, there's a concept of development and activity and having that available to you. They've got emotional well-being, psychological well-being, then life satisfaction, and I don't know what this one is, domain-specific satisfaction, and then engaging activities and work, so that your activities and your work are engaging. So that's that's how the government um, is defining the categories of, of well-being. Now, that comes from something specific, which, of course, off the top of my head right now, I can't remember because and it's... It, but basically, there are six categories of well-being um, that that you would look at generally. 
And, and that's come out of somebody's research. And I'm sorry, because in the moment, I just don't know who. And then what's happened is people have, have as ever, they've taken that and they've changed that um, to, to fit. So you're absolutely right. Economic well-being is really important. I've mentioned money, but not in my initial pyramid that I would talk, sorry, my initial triangle that I would talk to people on. But once we start to flesh things out, um, then it's very much about understanding how money Money is a great tool, actually, for people to understand about their own well-being, because you can see financially, am I healthy? You know, my finances healthy or are they not healthy? You can see if money is flowing to you or if you find it hard to generate money. Um, you can see if you find it easy to spend money or hard to spend money. And that takes us into to really the, the areas of well-being that, that I work within. What you're talking about in terms of the, the government's areas are all absolutely valid um and i if you just say them again so there's physical well-being yes yeah, so physical well-being. economic social um development and activity emotional psychological life satisfaction uh domain specific satisfaction and then in having engaging activities and work um is is the and though they do state that there's there is no consensus around a single definition of well-being, these would be the components or aspects um, um, as a sort of a, a minimum in terms of what would need to be present um, in for overall well-being. So you could look at that as a, a wheel of life, and obviously I don't know the diagram that you're, you've brought up and you're looking at, but you could absolutely separate that out as a wheel of life, and you could look at all of those individually. The thing about well-being is it's also about how it all interacts together. Um, so wheel of life is a very useful tool. It takes you, uh, what I would say is back to basics. Um, I don't mean that it's it's too simplistic. What I mean is it's very easy because it kind of cuts through all of the sort of maybe the mess or the overwhelm you've got going on in your head. And it allows you to see very quickly, okay, actually, this is where my well-being is in this area. This is where it is in that area. Actually, that's the one I need to work on because that's the most limited. So the, the wheel of life is one of the tools that I would always recommend to people um, if they've not come across it before and remind them about it if they have come across it before. Yeah, the Wheel of Life, the coaching industry adapted the Wheel of Life um, way, way, way back in the day as a as a way to have a, a, a diagnostic tool at the beginning of a relationship with people. And then, you know, so they're talking about all of life, hence the Wheel of Life. And then what are these components of the Wheel of, of Life? So these various different areas. Um, that you interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and it was a diagnostic tool to let you, kind of like you said in the very beginning, it depends on where you are, where we'll start. And so the Wheel of Life was a diagnostic tool to give you a sense, a self-selected sense of um, what's out of balance. And I think that's what you get from the Wheel of Balance. What is out of balance, that if I increase that category, I can get my life back into balance so it was a it was a visual tool to help people to decide what area that they wanted to work on based off of what was out of balance in their life at that time um, and I used it in the very very early days of my um, coaching career but I don't tend to use it um, much anymore 
because I probably now that we're saying this, I wouldn't I wouldn't classify myself as a holistic coach. Um in that sense, which I think I started out in that space where it was like, you know, wheel of life and then see what's out of whack and then start to work on the places that were most out of balance. Um, I'm not that kind of coach anymore, I don't think. I don't think I know what I'm not that kind of coach anymore. Exactly. So yeah. out of interest, what kind of coach would you say you are now? And I know that coaching isn't yeah, and, and, and actually, I mean, we've been talking about this word and throwing it around a lot, but uh, more of a strategic coach. So you come to me with a area that you want to work on, or is out of whack, or you want to. So, so I work. So I'm a, I'm a, a rifle as opposed to a shotgun. So if you come and say, "Hey, at work, all this is rah rah," that's where we start. But I never lose sight of the fact that. Um, as I start work, as we start working through the conversation on the thing that you're wanting to fix, I can quite quickly see if there's something that has to shift first before you can get the thing that you're after. And then I would bring that to your attention to say, yeah, this is all cool, but until you lick this, that ain't happening. Mm -hmm. um, and it's almost an intrinsic motivation. So if what you're saying is, I want this, then the motivation to fix the underlying thing that's keeping you from that it gets a higher priority. So if you really want this thing, you know that I got to shift this first. And then once that shifts, I can get this. Um, and that's generally the kind of space that I work as a strategic coach in that sense. Mm. And I mean, I think what you said is very, very key. So, we, you know, we both came to coaching kind of later, uh, coaching as a career later in our careers. Um, and therefore, you bring a lot of experience with it. It's interesting now, there's a lot of um, people who are younger who are coming into coaching. And I think that it really depends on when you come to coaching and what you come to coaching with as to what kind of coach you evolve into. Um, and of course, there's constant evolution. You know, you're always in pursuit of knowledge. I'm always in pursuit of growth and development. Um, the two are very similar, but they are definitely not the same. But what that means is both of us actually do want to take ourselves outside of our comfort zone and we do want to move forward. And sometimes that's easier and sometimes that's harder, uh, depending on a whole host of other things. And this is about then coming back to your well-being and going, actually, what can I you know, what What can I, I'm going to use the word cope with right now, because that's sort of how I'm personally feeling at this moment. You know, what can I cope with where I can stretch myself, but in a supportive way? Um, and I think we talked on this a couple of episodes back and we were messing around. Um, you know, I was saying working with you is like being kicked off the edge of a cliff. Whereas uh, you would say that working with me is like being really nurtured and handheld, which actually isn't the case, as is neither you know, people working with you being kicked off a cliff either. Um, but it is that understanding of we need different types of coaches at different times in our life and our well-being needs different kinds of support at different times in our life. Yeah, there was, um, and I did this sort of book club thing earlier in the summer and we were looking at a, a book on trans uh, transformational coaching. Um, and in that book, um, you know, making the big distinction 
between uh i'm quite the professional today i got my phone still on <laughs> well so that's because ringing. we did this spontaneously <laughs> you know we were having this conversation and we kind of went actually let's just record this session yeah. now yeah and all it was that was stupid um o2 telling me that i can buy a series 7 apple watch so my if if i'm the person this fits with well-being anyway isn't it so we can tie our well-being into material possession so you and this is what this is what advertising and and the you know businesses that are selling lifestyle uh items that's what they they that's that's the trigger point that they use is that your life will be so much better if you have the latest Apple Watch Series 7, you know? So one, I'm praying on FOMO to think, oh man, my, is my current watch no good? It still tells time, but there's a 7 out, so you fear missing out. But then the, the cleverness of advertising is that, man, your life would be so much better, more efficient, more this, more healthy, more all the little buzzwords if you get this latest version uh, of this thing. So yeah, anyway, so it fits. So I can use that in, the, in this episode. It definitely <laughs> no, But actually, it definitely fits. And that's the whole point of us having a conversation is that we can go with what comes up and work with it. Um, and I love the fact that you talk about fear of missing out and uh, um, FOMO, because uh, I think it's, it's, it's a funny old thing that that takes me off in a whole different direction yet again. You know, there that's are so a- many... That's the thing with just just a human and uh, sort of you know we want to fit in and be you know we want to be a part of the herd. We're herd animals. We want to be a part of the herd, and you've got the whole sort of keeping and yet up we with don't. the Joneses and Smiths. And <laughs> no, I think we do. I think no, I, I'm I think sorry. Been, no, <laughs> Too many teenage been, conversations lately. Yeah, <gasps> I don't want to stand out. I don't want to draw attention to myself. But I actually want to bright yellow car with black rims i'm like whatever that means okay yeah but then that's <laughs> but that's part of peacocking and all sorts of other things and i, I wouldn't want a yellow thing to stand out if i didn't care about the herd i, I might want a yellow thing because i just happen to like yellow but I actually don't care what other people see or think about it um in that sense but a lot of the things like that it's so that you can be accepted amongst your tribe whatever that tribe might be first by your age or by i'm a i'm a rocker or i'm a goth you know all these sub tribes that we have um they have individual badges and uh uh emblems and tokens and symbols that 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 symbolizes that you're part of that tribe and then you want to accumulate it because you want to be in that tribe. Um, so, and there's, there's a rare person um, that is a true independent uh, person that well. just, there's not that many people who have the courage and conviction uh, to be a complete independent, to be that, you know, complete um yeah absolutely i mean that that again is a a whole topic in itself is it even possible to do that living in today's society yeah it's possible and there are i mean there's plenty of examples um of people who do um and then there's and, and there's plenty of people who are in that way and you and they actually rise to the top of society because they don't need to be a part of the herd and they are able to manipulate and use the herd to further their own power and gain because 
um, they re- they recognize that people are herd animals, and what you do with herd animals, <laughs> you know, like sheep, you just herd them, and you you know, hey, you go into this field and eat this grass that I tell you to eat, um, and so you got some wolves out there who take advantage of the fact that most people are in that sort of herd, and the wolves would be out there and do their thing, and they have no scruples, so they don't really need your approval, then they don't care, they don't have this concept of morality and what's good for the community, and for them, it's power, it's how can I manipulate the herd to get all the toys and be at the top of this pyramid and dominate all the herd animals. So, yeah, they're out there. And so, actually, you've just, again, talking about well-being, the thing is that it's not one size fits all. It is what is going to work for me at this moment in time. And sometimes it's just easier to follow the herd. And if that gives you energy or capacity or brain space to think about something else or to think about something in a different way, great, you go ahead with that. Um, But if it's going to drain the enjoyment out of your life and make you feel stagnant and stuck and you're never going to to make a change, then of course, that's not the thing to do. and then, and yeah, let's not get into the morality discussion because I think that that'll kind of take us a whole different. Um, yeah, but it's all interrelated. To. And we, we talked in our uh, previous episode about uh, you know you know we've had conversations previously about philosophy of life and you know choosing a philosophy and a and a way of being which then drives how you are gonna conduct yourself in the world and um, so it's related to that i mean i think i think it's harder to achieve well-being if you miss out steps like that um because you may feel good for a time and i've got these things here but if you don't un if you don't understand the underlying thing that's driving you and and how you are organizing your life then you create conflict for yourself um, and you can't articulate it so then it comes out as anxiety um, and other things because you know that something's not right but I don't quite know what it is and oh this thing comes out and it's promising to show me the ways that kind of thing so I go there with that one whatever the latest you know trend is the latest hot self-help book that's out there or the latest you know, trend in well-being might be a follow that with the promise of or thinking that it'll make my life uh, better. I'll feel happy once I've got that sorted. But until you do that space and make that conscious decision, uh, and and yeah, at that question we said uh, in the previous episode that the Greeks drafted, I think it was last episode, episode before that, um, about um, how to live. Until you, and and as you just said, there's so many different ways of how to live. But the point would be, you pick one, and you organize your life around that. Um, in terms of how you conduct yourself in the ethical, moral sort of fashion, um, and then your values and goals and all that sort of stuff are in line with that. Um, the less you know about what that is or haven't decided that, then the more zigzaggy, up and down, inconsistent um, <laughs> your life uh, becomes. Hence why I think philosophy is so important, but we've let the academic philosophers usurp it 
And so now people don't spend any time with it at all because they think it's about, um, you know, proofs and uh, these thought experiments that's unrelated to, you know, real life, as it were. And so we've lost um, that part of ourselves. Uh, yeah, I mean, I also think that we don't really know what philosophy is. So we believe that it is something that's it's a lover you know, of wisdom. It is a love of wisdom <laughs> or a lover of wisdom. But the point is that the majority of people, you know, even somebody like me, I thought that um, it was something you had to be clever to do, as in you yeah, had to exactly. be academically clever to do. It's been and usurped. actually, but that's not necessarily the case. And obviously we talked, uh, and actually it was two episodes ago. Um, so it was episode 39, the difference between being and becoming, when we talked about um, the Greek philosophers and, mm. and and this love of life and how to live a good life. Uh, and also we referred to the fact that I'm doing a, a course at the moment, which is introduction to practical philosophy. And the fact that they've inserted the word practical to make it really, really clear um, but it's exactly the kind of stuff that you and I are into and, and have been you know, doing for a long time. And that's yeah. with the, the School of Philosophy and, and Economic Science. So coming back to what you were saying, there was, there was something you were saying about picking one and living your life according to it, whatever that it might look like. Yeah. Well, that's fine if you're aware that that's an option and a you know, a large portion of society are not aware that that's an option. They kind of just go with life from a day-to-day -day basis and they've never thought about anything bigger because they're not aware that they could almost, which is kind of why we have these conversations, but also why we do some of the, the work that we do. I think they do. have been aware in the past because it doesn't just, it doesn't just, they don't just spring up in that sort of space. I mean, a lot of it starts at the very, very beginning. You, you, Whatever your parents were and thought and put on you, that's what you're starting with. Now, how you develop between you know, the time you've been with your parents and what do you rebel against, what do you accept? Where, um, so what people may be unaware of is that the choices that they are making is the things that are lining them up to where they are now. So I could choose not to question you know, my heritage, not to question... Um, how I was brought up in terms of uh, my political belief system, my religious belief system, uh, my cultural belief system, uh, to never question those. And I just accept that and just kind of ram on and, and, and never. So I think the awareness is, or lack of awareness is, um, to stop and question those. Where did that come from? Um, and do I still, is it still valid for me? And it's that question, you know, we have it. You know, there's no way you're going to get away from it because you had a set of parents. Uh, and even if you didn't, you lost your parents. Somebody raised you. And whatever that thing was, you you were a system of thought and belief um, has been uh, imposed on you. And I'll use that, I'm using that word deliberately because it was, because you didn't really have a choice. Um, as you become a much more conscious thinking being and you can see that well i got some friends that you know they believe this and those set of people believe that then you start questioning well but i you know there's i had this belief and that which one of these is valid <laughs> should i live like my friend or should i live like my parents taught me or should i live like this group of people um, and then you make a choice in there somewhere um i think the 
the stand-up bit is can you turn that reflector inside and say you know of these choices that i made and how i'm living my life right now how many have i made consciously or how many have just been given to me and the ones that i have they may be valid and i'll keep them and but these ones that don't serve me you know ditch them and uh, and adopt some different ones um and you're right i think a lot of people don't have that conversation um some you know yeah until they get to a point where life just isn't working out how they want it to work out and they get brought to this kind of low point and then they really start questioning which is what existential crisis is or you know the midlife crisis that's what well mainly that's almost a definition of an existential crisis when you mm, absolutely you, You've accepted everything. You've done everything that you've been told and taught. You've done the, towed the line, um, believed in the right set of values. And then you get to a point where you think, well, okay, is this all there is? Um, and what else is there? There's got to be more to this gig um, than, than, than is apparent to the eye. <laughs> mm. Then you go on another journey. Um, but yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am surprised you haven't mentioned your hero's journey and all of that. Um, Cause yeah, I've been talking about that a lot this week and that is perfectly. That's a different thing. Nicely. I think, I think. Well, I, I don't think it is. Yeah. I think it's just another way of explaining the development that we do and the, the growth that we have through life and this understanding and development of well-being. Yeah. I think the hero's journey is a model that you can, used to as a metaphor for some of the things that are happening which is what it it designs to do i guess but it's not integral to anything <laughs> but well, it's a great model yeah. i love it as a model it's a great model to help you to visualize a or as a metaphor um for dealing with different parts and pieces of your life because it equally strike out the hero's journey which i hadn't mentioned is the alchemist um, so I've got a book back here about, um, uh, uh, but but it's alchemy in the true sense that alchemy was meant to be, which wasn't about turning just lead into gold, but it was a personal development and transformational journey. Um, and where's this book at? But basically, not the hero's journey on this one, but it outlines um, um, the stages of life that we go through and then how you then mend back up the mind, body, and soul. But you won't get to that um, transformational place until you get to that place of existential crisis. And then um, you are then into that next phase. Um, I got a squeaky chair here. It is a squeaky chair. So... Uh the book, I'm assuming it's, well, I'm not assuming anything. Obviously, there's The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Yeah, not that one. Which, but that was a good book as well. We see, now you say that. So I read that, and this happens to me a lot. I kind of, I, what have we got? Right, it's, hang on, uh, we can the see the bottom, to, but not the yeah, top. The, the Show me the top bit. Uh, mm, right, I'm, I'm not that's it? At, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fine. That. Oh, right, Modern Alchemist, A Guide to Personal Transformation by Richard and Iona Miller. Yeah. Okay, cool. But this is about transpersonal um, transformation. Uh, it's sort of stuff that, you know, you would work with. Um, well, sorry, I was just saying, and this is the thing, you know, when we talk about well-being or when we talk about 
anything in, well, to be honest, when we talk about anything about anything, there's always levels or layers. And I don't particularly like to think of it as levels, but it is, there's, there's a progress. You know, you can only get to this point when you've understood or gone through the previous processes. So, for example, I mean, the, the Alchemist by Paolo Coelho is a, a great example. I had that book when I was about in my 20s, didn't understand a word of it, couldn't get my head around it, um, and wasn't mixing with anybody that I could have had a conversation about it, it with. So I kind of like, and I've had that book, I think, on my bookshelf all of these years, and occasionally I've dipped into it, um, but I probably haven't actually for about the last 20 years. And I've kind of gone, oh, like, it's, you know, that to me was kind of, it's too complicated. I don't understand. And then, you know, then that's when the whole bit starts to unravel. It's kind of like, well, I'm clearly not capable or clever enough to understand this book. Da, 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 da. And then you start to go, okay, so this is actually what I believe about myself. And you can either then decide to accept your own beliefs or to work with them to either um, transform them or to change them and to, to work through so that you go, actually, I am capable of, of understanding this book. I just need to find a different way. What That's might that interesting way be? you say that because it's an actual very simple allegory, isn't it? Exactly. There's not much to understand from the book, but I guess if because people talked a lot about it, then it makes it seem like a big mysterious book. But actually, it's it's not. It, I mean, in its simplest terms, it's about do the thing that makes you happy. There's nothing else to that. It's like you know, he went all over the world, did all these type of things, um, to end up finding out that his treasure was where he was all along, and and it's. It's it's you already have it is the basic moral of that story. It's exactly. There. Similarly, uh, with um, uh, the Little Prince by Antoine yeah. uh, de Saint Oxbury, or Jonathan Seagull, Livingston Seagull, any yeah, of those. Absolutely, you know, they can and be people read. kind of pick them up and go, yeah, "Don't get that," yeah, because they you know they seem like just simple stories, and they're like, "Oh, what's all? What's everybody talking about? Alchemists? Well, it's just some dude." going to the desert and, <laughs> and looking for some treasure um you know and, but the bible to any uh, i mean allegories mm -hmm. are great for that i mean you know here's some stories um that are told you could just you know read the story or watch the story just for the simple story by itself and then you know if you want to look at the subcontext of that story um, there's another layer of meaning. But that's what any story, this is what the power of stories are all about. This is why stories, you know, are the fuel um, that, that yeah, I mean, it's why we can't live without stories because that's what they do, isn't it? A story. And you can watch, and I, you know, like if people say, oh, I hate, you know, they don't watch TV and things like that. Um, but what I think we've forgotten how to do is, or the value, we've, we've forgotten We've took the mindless, we said, what is it? So we stopped thinking about stories at the level that stories are meant to be in a lot of cases. So if I'm watching the TV thing, I'll just watch the TV to escapism. But actually, in order for the story to really work and for you to engage with it, it's using concepts like the alchemist. And here's a story, but then you just need to look at the subcontext. There's so much you can learn from um, watching TV and watching movies. Um, if you don't do it in a mindless fashion, but you look at the subcontext, you think about the interactions of values and uh, interactions of different schools of thought that are at play, 
that make these characters do what they do. And then, you know, you can, you know, you can um, interrogate them from your own sort of personal kind of that's the value you know the value of stories is exactly that i can see this thing play out then i look at the subcontext and what are the um there was a great workshop i did three days of brutality um in the story by uh um mckay that's his name stephen or harvey or something mckay mcgee a uh, great screenwriter but three day intense where we're like 14 hours and you're not allowed to talk and also it was crazy um but you it unpacked story um, and the components that make stories work. And it is about values and it is about value change. And it is about, um, you know, yeah, for pitting one value against uh, another. And then how do you make that choice? You know, we talked about um, in episode 39 or whatever and that being on becoming you know if you choose to say that you know in my life i'm gonna one of my values is to be honest mm -hmm. but there'll come times in your life where you can't be honest because if you do then somebody's gonna die so then what do you do you know what choice do you make there do you hold true to your value even though it means by being truthful someone's gonna die or do i tell a uh, a, a little bit of a fib or white lie for the greater good because it'll save someone's life um, and so what stories allow you to do is to play with different things like that you can look at it and say well, what was the true decision that that character had to make and what decision would I make if faced with that same mm. dilemma or choice so yeah I find um, stories and storytelling and movies and TVs all just the best thing ever um, so yeah so, <laughs> that, that, that was me on my soapbox about it was but it was good um, so there's a couple of things so first of all in terms of what you're saying is again you're you're consciously actively interacting with TV shows to get those insights and those thoughts there is a lot of value because of the way stories are written. And, you know, there is a, a pattern to this, which I learned from a guy called Andy Harrington. Um, and the pattern that we're taken through actually... Well, not the Andy Harrington. Uh, yes. So... That dude in the UK, the Tony Robbins equivalent. Yes, he's been on stage with Tony Robbins indeed. Yeah, I've um, got some... Uh, so... I won't. I won't say. Not I'll now. Hold. Yeah, I won't say it now. But yeah, okay. I don't think that's appropriate. But I was acknowledging where I'd learned that from, and my point is, uh, once I'd learned that or was aware of of this pattern of what goes on in all Hollywood films, it really spoiled Hollywood films for me for a while because I couldn't just get carried along with the story. So coming back to what you were saying, you were saying about consciously interacting with TV shows and the like, from a well-being point of view, actually just watching a story like we would have listened to fairy tales uh, when we were younger, for example, that alone takes you on a personal development journey, whether or not you're conscious of it. And so this and is where story, things get revealed. You will not be conscious of it while you're doing it. If it's a good story, you'll be into the story exactly and you'll forget. Right. But then it's when the story's done that you need you to reflect. go back through and reflect. And, and uh, that's a very... I know you're... Uh, but I'm off on one now. Yeah, yeah, so actually, from a whole well-being point of view, 
if that there was only one thing that I would suggest to people, it would be about building in time and space, to use my word, to reflect. And whether that's to reflect on uh, a book you've read, to contemplate. Episode Indeed. number 37. <laughs> Indeed. One of my favorite uh, things. I'm doing that. I was 35, I think. Um, so it's about reflecting. Actually, you know, what does what, what happened? Why did that happen? How could it have been different? How does that relate to me? What could I have changed? All of those kind of things. And it doesn't matter whether it's a situation, whether it's a film you've watched, whether it's a conversation you've had, whether it's a job, it doesn't matter what it is. It's about taking time to reflect and understand why you're making the choices you're making, why you're behaving in certain ways and what you can do to change it so that you can be more of, of who you really are. Um and there's a brilliant TV pro. Well, I think it's brilliant because my husband and I just love it. And everyone I've spoken to, it really works for them as well. And that's called This Is Us. And it's on Amazon Prime, I think, off the top of my head. Um, and This Is Us is just superb. Right from the beginning, the stories of a variety of people, but centered around one family, are layered and it is sanitized. You know, I always have to remember that. I'm like, well, how did they cope with that so easily? So, so long as I remember that bit, actually, you can get completely carried away in the story. You will see something of yourself reflected in every character or some of the characters, and you'll see how the rest of the world interacts with that character according to how they present. But exactly as you've said, you're so carried away in the story that you can just go along with that and then spend some time thinking about it afterwards. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, if it, when a story is not a good story, as if you're thinking about it while it's happening, then they've lost you as storytellers. Um, and mm. again, the power of stories is to capture people's um, conscious mind and then do and weave your magic, and then they're in the story. And then the next thing you know, three hours are gone by, and we're like, damn. Mm. And you wake up, but then that's a good story. A um, couple of things. The other book, um, which is worth, if you, if people who are doubting my love for storytelling and pop culture and all that kind of stuff and watching I don't TV think movies. anybody's ever doubting that. <laughs> uh, Everything Bad is Good for You is the name of the book, Stephen Johnson. Uh, how popular culture is making us smarter. Um, and it looks at things like The Simpsons, Desperate Housewives, The Apprentice. Oh, I was Sopranos. <laughs> going to mention Desperate Housewives as well. Grand Theft Auto. Did you know? I and mean, me and Ruth was talking about this while I was telling her um, that games like th like in the triple digit billions versus movies, which is just barely uh, double digits. Really? Yeah, the gaming no, I industry, didn't. and this is video gaming industry, not talking about tabletop. That's got its own couple billion worth yeah. of industry. But the video game industry is somewhere like $157 billion industry. The film industry was only like 16 or 17 billion or something like that. Now, you see, I can yeah. get that. So, again, from a well being point of view, um, you know, I always thought that when I grew up, one of the things that I would be doing would be to go to the theatre once a month. Uh, for example, I was quite late getting into to films, but I used to like the theatre, for example, or going to concerts or, you know, those kind of cultural things. And then I realised quite quickly when I did grow up and was able to afford to do that, was that actually I didn't really want to be sitting there and watching these things. 
I wanted to be doing things. And then I realized that actually my whole life is I want to have the experience. I want to be immersed in life as opposed to, to being a watcher, as it were. Um, and that's kind of curious because you'd have thought, therefore, that I would love games, but actually I can't get gaming at all. But I think that's just because I've got this, um, you know, kind of this is like I don't understand the purpose of it. It's a video game. But of course, actually, it is about people being in control. You know, I hear my son being a World War One tank commander and he absolutely he just is in his element. I hear my other son doing I'm not quite sure what, but, you know, he's in another game completely. And it's an immersive it imagination, exactly. isn't it? It's exactly, exactly. It's more alive than a book would have been because you're having to fit, you're having to be in it and do it, and you give agency to the character. Whereas when you read in a book, you're only just sat still and you're passive and you're not, you know, you can't make the character go left. You exactly. Just read it and go left. Whereas video games, you you know, you're quite immersive in it. But then, and we briefly talked about this ages ago about actually the power of games <laughs> and how central to our development games mm. are which is um which i you know i never fully appreciated until i i well one the same when my son was um where your son was at and then playing all these games and i was thinking because i was always about oh yeah get outside go outside go climb a tree go you know you gotta go experience like Rawr! and why is people playing all these games <laughs> Um, and one, then understanding actually the dynamic that's happening within that. But then that made me start researching games in general. Why do humans play games to begin with? Um, and then understanding how how beneficial and how impactful play is um, to our development, our continued development, uh, really opened my eyes to the power of play. So if you really want to transform someone if you really want to have an impact or a change um, story and play are the most direct routes to getting them but part of that somewhere along the lines someone has imposed upon the greater view probably corporate america and the like uh, that that stuff is frivolous that that stuff's a waste of time you're not being productive so you get fed all these narratives um where you know you're wasting your life you know so you get all those narratives and you get disconnected from the power that's been since we've been humans has had great power and other people wanted to control us, <laughs> change the narrative. And we bought into the narrative um, and we passed the narrative on to our kids if we're not careful. <laughs> mm. um, and so they're losing their part of their power. But, and I would, I would go so far as to say, and this is very controversial, that, you know, one of those industries is the self-help industry because that's a, you know, a billion dollar industry and we need to make money and all this sort of stuff. So, I've got a narrative that I got to feed um, people in that in order for them to want to continue to be in this, you know, consuming these products, um, forgetting that human beings have been around for quite a long time. And there's some stuff, if you really tap back into our, our, our nature and the things that, you know, we're capable of, um, we just let people talk us out of it and feed us some other narrative 
uh, which is a shame. Mm. Which is why we have to have conversations like this to wake people back up to the simplicity of the things, but the power in that simplicity. Um, and my back to my point about um, you know the the thing is taking that step to question these narratives to say, hey, you said that, um, and all these other people are saying that, but is that true? And does that serve me? And um, do I want to keep this or is there alternative? Um, and, and I found doing that research on games, it just changed my whole mindset on games because i i you know fully admit hands up bought into the narrative ah you're playing a game wasting time you could be reading a book you could be doing this you could be outside ah, all of that um yeah but then when i came to understand games then it changed and i started playing loads of games in because i know the benefit that comes with them but anyway that's another story if you wanted to do an episode on games yeah i think we should do i think we should do so just bringing this back so obviously one of the things you asked me right at the beginning was kind of what kind of well-brained practices yes. what is I your would, practice would, outline one for me or outline out outline yours and then we can base ours off of yours uh well i won't do that because that takes people into a different space and people are not me. So I know that's is... you, but give us an idea. What is yours? <laughs> knowing that there's lots of choices out there. We Anybody know... looking on YouTube can see me shaking my head. So yeah. can I just share this in the way that I want to share this? Would that be all right? <laughs> well, sure, it's all right, but it'll leave me wanting to know. Oh, good. I'll, I'll be dissatisfied. Do you uh... know what? I don't mind that. I, funnily enough, but there's there's something in me that thinks me that might be quite good. Not just me but someone listening to this. So if we talk wow. about you know credibility and linking things up, well, you know, why should I buy into well-being? What's the benefit to me? What am I going to get out of this thing? And what does one look like? So um, the benefit, so have a visual of it. The benefit to well-being is that once you understand what you need to find the well-being that's right for you is you can then make your choices accordingly. So life kind of becomes, um, easier is not the right word, but it it does make it easier to make decisions. It makes it easier to say yes to things and it makes it easier to say no to things. So it's also about understanding where you're at at the time. Um, go right back to the triangle I was talking about at the beginning. On a very basic level, every day, Eat as healthily as you can, do some exercise, ideally at least 20 minutes outside in the fresh air, um, and do something that's going to help your brain kind of train, as it were. So the brain training games or anything like that is a really great way for you to, to keep working the mental side of things. And then look at your emotions. So we talk about, you know, like I said, episode 35, the art of contemplation, you know, contemplation or journaling um, is really important. And so we have talked about quite a few well-being practices within here. So even if it's simply five minutes of just jotting down what happened there, um, you know, basically what happened, was I happy with it? And if I was happy with it, great. How can I kind of recreate that as it were? And if I wasn't happy with it, if it didn't serve me, what can I do instead? And if you do that, that's a, a, a very good basis. Now, the reason, the reason that it's important for you to work out 
what is relevant to you is because different people will come at this at different times and stages. And one of the things we haven't talked about at all is stress management. And to me, stress management is kind of a fundamental precursor, if you like, to well-being. So stress management you know, means that we're looking at stress, we're understanding stress, which fits very much into the physiological corner of the triangle. Um, but it's almost, what are you laughing at? I was laughing at, because um, a lot of, and maybe it is just once you work, once you once you work through some of this stuff, once you adapt the kind of belief, then these kind of things that you're saying, they have no meaning. <laughs> so but the only was I laughed. And, the reason I laughed is because yesterday, you know, my whole thing about, you know, I'm in the middle of eating the chicken and I was supposed to be delivering this course that one I hadn't, you know, I hadn't, you know, I've got material that I could use, but, you know, I wasn't, I didn't know I was doing it and I was already late to it. And I got there and the computer wasn't working. The tech stuff wasn't working and I just carried on. But one of um, the ladies afterwards uh, who was in there and she couldn't believe how calm I was. Like for her, she would have been stressed out of her mind. And mm -hmm. um, so she was shocked that um, I was not stressed. Um but yeah, go on. And, and I have a reason why I'm not stressed. <laughs> um, but what a fantastic experience for that lady to have. Because she I don't won't think it would have been, changed her. It, she but just I think it would, but it will, she will go away and she will think about it because she's absolutely right. And, you know, that whole kind of, you've been, yeah, you've suddenly got to do this. Right, okay, I'll suddenly do this. And sometimes we can absolutely step into that role. But for most people, if you've got things very, very planned, because that's how you manage yourself, and you suddenly have to do something spontaneous, which is not you being carried along, but you actually having to carry other people, for want of a better term, um, then it, you know, yeah, that is hard. So for her to have actually seen you do that and deliver that, I am convinced that will have made her think. Now, whether it changes her is a different thing. We don't know that. Yeah. But it's given her a paradigm. She's suddenly thinking. Like 100% oh, wouldn't change it because it would be, it, it all comes back to a belief system and what you believe um, and accept as true when we were talking about self-talk. So if your self-talk isn't to a space where, you know, stress is not your gig, then stress will always be your gig, regardless of whether you've seen some other people doing some stuff or whatever. Anyway, um, yes, um, but it's a belief thing. Um, but you've shown her a different belief. So, yeah. th I mean, there's no point us yeah, kind no, of going too know. far down this, but the, the point is she may never have seen that so clearly before, which means that she's at a point where she can go, oh, hang on. That's really interesting. And it may, she may not do Show anything about Show me how to do this. Show me how you do well, it. Well, this is where we unravel and we go back to values and beliefs and all the rest of it. So, yeah. but going anyway, back to the, the well-being well -being yeah. practice. So those are some very, very basic things and, and, and they are important. So it is understanding actually, you know what, what vitamins do I need? When I work with people a lot on stress management, a lot of the time they just need to shore up their, no, actually that's not true. That came out of my mouth completely wrong. So, but one of the key things is they need to shore up their body and their nutrition with B vitamins, because when we're stressed, we use up our B vitamins and we need our B vitamins. And so we need those to, to make those happen. And it does make a difference. 
it won't be the entire answer. But if that gets you into a position where you can think more clearly and you can then reflect and go, okay, so actually what's causing this stress? How can I move essentially away from stress and into well-being? Um, then that's really important. And so I do think things like vitamins and supplements have a uh, and the way that we eat have a really important part to play in that. Yeah, um, I think um, yeah, on that note, I mean, you know, I don't, I know we've talked about doing something on the biohacking stuff and if you're into that sort of space. And um, if you think about the human body is, you know, the sort of all the chemicals and stuff that are in it. So again, back to alchemy and things like that, um, understanding the, the ways that you can utilize these various biological principles to maybe affect different aspects of you. Um, so if you approach life almost like a scientist, really, um, and be curious about, you know, yeah, as you said, what's, you know, so for me, I would immediately, the me would be, yeah, let me go have a look about sort of vitamin B or whatever. Mm. Um, and then you have to experiment on your own body to see if it actually, it won't necessarily be the same for each individual in terms of how the makeup of your, how these things might affect you. So you have to have a sense of experimentation about um, your your you know, the different aspects that you can manipulate and levers that you can pull and chemicals you can digest or things in your diet that you can change. Like I know there's stuff that, you know, I can eat that will really mess me up, but it wouldn't mess another person up. Um, I know how my body responds if I'm doing certain types of exercises and not doing other types, whereas it will be the complete total opposite for someone else because their body's different from mine. So you have to be uh, a good experimenter, biohacker to actually, uh, if you want to fine tune your body to you, um, you've got to be willing to play with these things. And all of this is is absolutely part of of well being. So from a and it's it's not just about what's right for you. It's about what's right for you at that time. So the seasons as the seasons change, our bodies need different things. Um, and and I'm a big believer in that. So I love my raw food. I would eat you know, a hundred percent raw food diet, kind of if I could and if I could make it work at this moment. Except that when it gets to this time of year, and we're recording this kind of in, in October, actually, the change in weather means that I get very low. I get very flat if I'm just eating raw food, uh, even if I'm using spices such as you know, curry powders to, to give me some warmth or ginger to give me some warmth. It, it doesn't work. It's not enough for me. You know, this is actually where I need to go into my vegetable soups or stews and so on and so forth. The other thing about raw food is that I'm absolutely fly high on it for maybe three months. And then it is like I've fallen off the edge of a cliff because suddenly I really, really need some meat because it's affected my metabolism in that way. So, yeah, um, then if you were as a vegan, you'd have a whole other well, exactly, conversation would exactly. sound a whole lot different. <laughs> and that's, and that's the whole, exactly, that is another thing. And I'd love to be a vegan, but actually my body ah, doesn't tolerate it. I don't like um, vegans. Well, I didn't think you would, but we're not going to go there. There's a few of your judgy judges coming out today, so stop judging. Um, but I wanted judging, to share I'm that. I don't like them either. They can do whatever they want. Okay. So going back to <laughs> nutrition, for example, and eating, yeah. um, 
uh, a good if people are interested in in that, which I do think it's a really great first step for people into positive well-being is to start thinking about their food. And actually, Ayurveda um, is a really useful set of of principles and and things to to look into. So the first book I ever got on Ayurveda was by a guy called Dr. Shanti Godgama. Um, And I was actually lucky enough to to go and see him in private practice. And he taught me through some things about what was working well for my body and what wasn't. And it was really, really interesting. And it it got me thinking about my food in in a completely different way. Um, One of the more, can I just share this book? it's absolutely beautiful. So this is one of the more modern books. And I've had a few since then, but basically Dr. Godagama's book and this one are probably my two go-to. And this one is called Eat, Feel, Fresh. Um, and it's a contemporary plant-based uh, Ayurvedic cookbook by Sahara Rose Katabi. I may Ask not have pronounced already. that right. Yeah, but this is <laughs> for you. This is for the people who are actually wanting to listen to their, um, uh, sorry, to actual a well-being practice. And this is beautiful and it's great for younger people as well as older people. I won't go into the details. I can talk about Ayurveda in huge amounts of detail. I'm not qualified, but I absolutely love it and adore it with a passion. I think it gives a really good, uh, strong base to anybody's well-being. Um, and you from can, my, because it's plant-based. <laughs> so well, no, no, so that's not the point. I think you just missed the point completely. So that's really important. You were going to to say something that I'm sure was actually valid. Would you like to? No, do? no, no. It was. It was just. It was taking all of what you've said and then now bringing it into in its most simplistic format. So if you're looking at a well-being practice that you're shaping. Um, and this is, you know, taking all of what you've just said, um, and you've given that one triangle, didn't you? The mental, physical, emotional. That's um, your very a starting point, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I did the other triangle alongside that or inside that, however you want to draw that diagram. So if I was if I was building a well-being practice, thinking about well-being as the whole of my being, there's two aspects of it for me. There's that idea about the... Um, pursuit of happiness, i.e. having that ability to pursue uh, well-being um, and and having that that is there. Um, and accepting that in that there's ups, downs, sideways and all those sorts of things. And so you can have a, so I can, my well-being can be high, but I don't, it doesn't mean that I have to be happy all the time. I can be sad, I can be, angry, I can be mad and all Absolutely. that stuff. So, but my overall well-being is up. So um, if I was making a well-being practice, it would center on mind, body, spirit. So three components of us as beings and having a practice um, that tends to all three of those. And I don't know if you're into any of Ken Wilber stuff and the integral practice um that's you know the basis of that that practice is this integralness um and you look at mind body and spirit but then the 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 scientists in you the creator the like you said everybody's different integral would say here's mind now there's a a whole bunch of different practices that are equally valid um in there but pick a couple, two, three that work for you and build your mind practice around those, whether that's meditation, whether that's contemplation, whether that's um, you know, Taoism, shamanism, whatever it is, you, you, you make the look at the menu, you build a mind practice around it. Then you look at body. 
you know, do I want to, you know, eat, be vegan? Do I want to be vegetarian? Do I want to have a balanced diet? Um, do I want to do weights or run or swim or play, you know, whatever your system, you know, whatever the things you pick off of that menu, but that attends to the body. And then the same for spirit, you know, lots of different spiritual practices out there. Um, find the one that's conducive to you, mm-hmm. um, and then that becomes your practice. So you develop your practice. You actively develop your practice by surveying the field of um, available uh, thought processes out there, systems out there, um, to construct one that's individual to you, Um centered around those three things and then you practice them so i would kind of agree with that and i would agree with it quite a lot the difference is i would never really separate my well-being practice from my life and i know that i'm being picky and talking about semantics but that here. is your life mind body exactly is that, is that it is so yeah. it's not a well-being practice it's a well-being life it's how do i make my life full of well-being and you did hit on something that we haven't even touched on um which is that life isn't always happy you're not going to get to this point of uh, of, of kind of transcendence where you float through life every day, things are still going to happen. It's how you deal with them. It's how you react to them. Um, and it's how you work with them or through them that is really testament to to where your well-being is at. Yeah. And again, I guess in the spirit and space that we are in, you know, and there's different tools and techniques and tactics for dealing Absolutely. with resilience for and i haven't even touched and, on spirituality and, and the um, soul work there at and all. i think that you know so you know from a well-being point of view of just looking at the word itself you know your being if we're back to being and becoming you know is it well <laughs> and doing the things that make up a, a well-being um versus you know the industry the trends or wherever you know it's sort of concept of uh well-being might sit in that aspect but um at the end of the day it's about you as an individual um being almost you know operating at your optimum level it's absolutely Um, it's about being the expert about yourself so hmm. that you can operate optimally optimally then you rock and roll with that Okay, I like it. Very good. So make sure you go out there and you design a well-balanced practice that makes it so that you can be a well-being. Absolutely. And share with us. You know, um, I haven't gone too specific because... Uh, for for a variety of reasons. So actually share with us what are your well-being, uh, the things that you do to support your own well-being, and what do you think about what we've talked about today? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, um, it'd be good to to sort of share. And I think that's part of it, you know, people sharing what their practices are because they can say, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I have a very simple practice on mine, um, but, you know, but it was consciously chosen. Mm-hmm. The gym physical aspect has to be part of mine but that's not for everybody you know Uh, there is there is one last thing actually that i do want to put in uh that i don't want to share and that is um 
it's also okay to go and get help outside of yourself. And I, I shared that, you know, I mean, obviously you and I are both coaches, we both facilitate people's well-being in a variety of ways. Um, people, you know, you use the resources that we've got. We talk about books, we talk about, you know, watching TV shows. Uh, there's a whole host of things out there. We also do have a medical system that we can use if that is what is right for us. Mm. Um, and I, I share that as uh, a woman in her perimenopause, you know, I've got to a point where actually for all the well-being in the world, I realized that there was still something that wasn't working for me. So I went and talked to my doctor about HRT. Now, I also know that there are still emotional things and spiritual development that's going on that I need to look at as well. But I don't want people to think that we all have to be perfect. And perfect means doing everything for ourselves, by ourselves. If that's what works for you, fantastic. But you know what there is? And these days, there is a wealth of information resources out there. Go and find what works for you. No one is right for everybody and no one is wrong either. Just go and get what's going to help you live your life the way you want to. That's the 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 key is exactly that, you know, you going out and sourcing what kind of works for you. I mean, I, however it works for you, then, you know, that's that's the action. The action is to, you know, know that there's this, this concept of your being and this divide into these three things and then going out and finding out what, um, what works for you. Um, and... Do your due diligence as well, because mm. there's a lot of stuff out there and a lot of people having these very, like I look on Instagram and people selling all sorts of little happy pills and stuff that have supposedly, you know, skyrocketed your well-being. Um, and I believe wholeheartedly in it. So my thing is the whole due diligence thing. Don't just accept, you know, do your research, ask around, find out about, um, as opposed to just... Um, accepting a thing and going with that uh, that would be my only added to that and that's a, it's a good caveat to add I'm glad you did mm. all, all right. right so listen to us on mixcloud.com forward slash digital calm that's the uh, the entire episode and if people want to sign up if you want to sign up so that you get our newsletter every week um, it's not really a newsletter it's more just a this is this week's episode and the links and the different ways that you can listen to us and you can go to um, getreview.co forward slash profile forward slash digital calm to sign up there uh, and if you want to see us do this, you can even catch us on YouTube too, which is kind of curious. Nice. Mm. All right. And that's it. Have a good one. <laughs>